Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to Total Information AM. I'm Megan Lynch. It was a long night in Washington, D.C., where Senate lawmakers passed a $95 billion foreign aid bill after months of negotiations. The vote came just as the sun was rising. So where's the money allocated and what's the bill's future in the House? Joining us now is CBS congressional correspondent Scott McFarland. Scott, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, Megan, I I tell you, you just watched the U.S. Senate into a dead end this morning, passing this $95 billion deal for Ukraine and Israel, and it's really headed nowhere. And that is because of the House Speaker, I'm assuming? House Speaker has been emphatic and unequivocal that he will not put that bill on the floor. There are too many House Republicans, a majority of House Republicans, who don't support money for Ukraine in any context or any way, so he will not put it on the floor lest it pass and become law. And that's the thing. And there's really no way of getting around this. If that bill were on the floor this morning, there are enough Democrats and Republicans who'd vote to approve it. So at this point, what the Senate has done is approve money for Ukraine and Israel that the White House says it needed at the end of 2023, much less in February 2024. And there's no timetable for it actually happening. So talk about the final vote and what it tells us, because I understand that this vote splintered Republicans in the Senate. It sure did. You know, it was about a, about a 70 to 30 margin out of the 100 senators. You know, back in the day, that would have been a nail biter. That would have been a close call. Nowadays, that's a blowout. That's an overwhelming majority to vote for anything. Um, it split the Republican Party in half. I think half of the Republicans have said they don't support further aid for Ukraine in the Senate either, saying that the U.S. taxpayer shouldn't be burdened anymore, that too much of the money's been wasted or subject to fraud and that other countries should pick up the tab. And then no doubt a lot of them are following the lead of Donald Trump, who has equivocated on whether more foreign aid should be given out to Ukraine as well. But in this case, Senate leadership, Republican leadership, said it is a priority. It's a message to the world. It's a message to Ukraine. It helps them, you know, buy bullets and munitions of which they're running out. And there was a clear message sent from the Senate today, but that's not going to move the House to action. I noticed, you know, you say there was a clear message. However, it does not seem that Republican leaders in the Senate are pushing hard on Speaker Johnson to get this through the House. I think that's right. And I mean, ultimately, it seems like Republican leadership has a hard enough time pushing on their own Republicans in the Senate. I mean, there was a moment a week or so ago when the Senate was poised to pass this sweeping border security reform law that Republicans had been touting. And Mitch McConnell was championing. And Mitch McConnell couldn't get any of his followers to, you know, follow him. It got killed off quickly. 
Mitch McConnell right now has got a tenuous hold on some members of his party, and there's no indication House leadership's moved by what Mitch McConnell does. You mentioned former President Donald Trump. How much of it is being pushed by Trump? How much of it do you think is simply Speaker Johnson? Oh, an awful lot's being pushed by Trump here. I mean, they, Trump says he doesn't want the border deal. It doesn't go far enough. Republicans should vote against it. And moments later, it's not hours later, Republicans are voting against it seemingly synchronized, the bill that they said was their priority. Uh, Donald Trump, at this point, has some form of informal veto power over the Congress. You know, a majority of members of Congress have endorsed him. A majority of Republicans in Congress have endorsed him. And he is exerting influence, even though he's not the sitting president. That's quite a striking thing and does not bode well for bipartisan anything between now and November. So give our listeners again kind of a gauge on, you know, if this would come before the House, where votes might be expected to fall. If this came up to the U.S. House, if somehow it got to the floor, it'll pass. Um, There is overwhelming, though not universal, support among Democrats. There are some Democrats who don't like the Israeli aid uh, money going amid the uh, current carnage in Gaza. Um, But there'd be a sufficient number of Republicans to offset that because there are Republicans who are hawkish on making sure Ukraine has what it needs to survive. But that's the thing about the U.S. House. Not any one person can put anything on the floor. It has to go through the Speaker of the House or it has to go through this elaborate, arcane parliamentary tactic that is almost impossible to execute. He has all the cards, and at this point, the Speaker of the House is playing them against Ukraine. Are there any maneuvers that could be used? We've heard in some reports about something called a discharge petition. Oh, yes. I'm so glad you asked me, Megan. Get the lawnmower out. We're going into the weeds. A discharge petition allows a majority of House members to put anything on the floor that they choose if they can summon a majority of House members to sign that petition. So, yeah, if 218 members of the House sign a petition, say we want to vote on Ukraine aid, it forces its way to the floor. But there's a bunch of catches. It takes time. There's a whole calendar worth of things that have to happen first. And also, you've got to get a whole bunch of Republicans to sign that petition, which means they are defying, they are stubbing their speaker, and there will be you know, some type of payback for that for those Republicans, it's difficult to get those Republicans to sign their name, no matter the issue, to a discharge petition. We're speaking with CBS congressional correspondent Scott McFarlane. While we've got you on the line, I want to ask you about a couple other things. First off is uh, former President Trump's attorneys appealing uh, the D.C. Court of Appeals decision on presidential immunity. What are his attorneys arguing at this point? Making the same argument they've made as they've argued presidential immunity for weeks and months now, that former president can't be charged for something that they deem to be an official act he undertook in office. Yes, they're arguing his efforts to overturn the 2020 election, which they would characterize differently, were part of his official acts in office, and therefore he's protected by presidential immunity. He's charge a president for what he did in office. All future presidents, they say, would be subject to prosecution by their political enemies. The district court here in Washington knocked that argument out of the water and said that is not legitimate. The appeals court here in Washington listened again. They knocked that argument out, say it is not legitimate. It is a fan fiction idea. He's now gone to the Supreme Court. There's no indication the Supreme Court will rule any differently on this. But if you listen closely, you can hear the tick-tock of the clock. Time is winding as he goes through this appeals process. The trial date's on hold. It hasn't been rescheduled. We're getting very close now to the election, in which some cases 
prosecutors tend to pull back criminal cases against elected, elected officials. If his M.O., if his strategy is to run the clock, he is running that playbook masterfully. Well, and special counsel Jack Smith has been pushing for the trial to take place for months now. He's been pushing for the Supreme Court. Yeah, he wanted the Supreme Court to dispose of this thing quickly to stop the to, to stop all the delays. Like, let's get this right to the final arbiter, have them make a decision, and we'll be done with all these appeals. He didn't succeed in getting this immediately before the Supreme Court. And in the process, he lost a couple months as this winded its way through the district court and appeals courts on its way to the Supreme Court. So he lost time. Um, it doesn't mean the Supreme Court's going to rule against him, but either way, he's lost time. He has made the argument in open court that the public has a right to a speedy trial, too. And he found a sympathetic ear from the judge assigned to this case. The judge has been aggressive at getting this on the calendar and keeping it on schedule. But until the Supreme Court finishes its work, it's out of the judge's hands. She can't get it back on the calendar until she gets the case back. That could happen in the next few weeks. And if so, this trial could still happen very late this spring, which means before the election. Well, Scott, I know you'll be watching it. Thanks for joining us this morning. Anytime, Megan. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 